You're listening to The Reading Riot. books or what all right so welcome back everyone to the reading riot podcast and today i'm with the fabulous jm buckler (laughs) so glad that's an option now (laughs) i know you were the one who said it i was like that needs to happen so here we go an audience applause here we go Well, awesome. I'm so happy you're here. You know, I thought this would be a great episode um, for us, not only to talk about your amazing series, but just to like get to know you as a person because you have such a voice within the writing community on Instagram. So I thought this would just be a great chance for people to further get to know you and, you know, hear your story because you rewrote your own story and that's a big part of your series. So I thought this would be a great chance to get to know Alara, Cyrus and Jax as well as JM herself. Let's do it. Yes. Okay. So why don't we just start at the very beginning, shall we? Once upon a time, (laughs) JM, tell us how did it all get started? Oh, it's a very long story. So I'm going to try to condense it for you. So I hated English class in school. I enjoyed literature. I loved reading, but I hated writing papers. Hated it. Uh, I wasn't very good at it either. (laughs) Lots of red (laughs) marks. Right. Um, I was in and out of college, in and out of jobs, constantly searching for happiness outside of myself, you know, oh, if I switch majors and get that degree, I'll be happy. Or if I get that job, I'll be happy. Or if we get this apartment, I'll be happy or that house. And it went on and on and on. I got caught in the cycle. And then I really got caught up in trying to fit into the mold that society, my family wanted me to do, right? Such as go to college, graduate, get a job, right? get married, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> so It just felt very, like, unauthentic to me. I'd go to school. I was already old for being in college for my age because I had been in and out so many times. And then I don't know what it was, but I was at the University of Texas, and the professor, who was probably around my age, (laughs) said, (laughs) "Can who remembers 9-11? And I was like, oh, like, my hand went up, and no one else's did. And I was like, I am so old. And I don't know what it was about that moment. Oh, it, wasn't even the, it wasn't even the age <laughs> difference, you know, because I was like, I was in high school. Like I drove to school on the morning of 9-11. I remember it crystal clear, you know, and these other kids were in diapers. Um, <clears throat> so I got up and I left. I walked out of class and I just drove around that day listening to music. And it was weird. It was like the first time in my life. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And instead of like letting the fear kind of drive me in that moment of, well, hurry and go find something else to do to fill that void, I just sat in that weird gray area and said, you know what? 
I'm just not going to do anything. If you don't know, don't. It was a great advice I got some <laughs> one day. <laughs> and I didn't. And I just I just went into this space of saying, you know what? It's it's okay to not know for a bit. And shortly, very, very shortly after, I woke up one morning with the idea for the story. Mm-hmm. And then all this doubt and fear came up right away of, well, you didn't go, you didn't graduate college and you didn't finish. So how are you going to write a book? So I sat on that doubt for a long time, but I truly feel that like take, you know, walking into that gray area of my life, this kind of unknown. And that's why in my books, there's this whole thing of like, take a leap of faith and jump into the unknown because that's what I did. And it almost opened this creative side of my mind that was always there, but had been blocked by all the other crap in my life. Mm -hmm. Do this. You should do this. You should be doing this. Um, so yeah, so it was funny. I was like, I had this great idea. I didn't tell anybody about it because I had never finished anything in my life. And I feared that if I told someone, family, friends, they'd be like, oh, that's a great new hobby. <laughs> right. <laughs> you right. Know? And Just I didn't, humoring you. Yeah, and I didn't want that. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to do anything. So music's always been a huge part of my life. So I continued, you know, with kind of like the dead end jobs and jobs that I was trading days for dollars with. I was never like passionate about anything I was doing. But every morning and afternoon on my way to and from work, I would listen to music and just plot in my head. And just the characters wouldn't shut up and they were just telling me things and scenes were forming. And I did that for four years. And then one night, I remember the Cheesecake Factory. (laughs) I told my husband the entire plot and he sat there really stunned. And he was like, you need to tell this story. I was like, but I don't know how. And he's like, just what do you have to lose? Just go for it. So I was like, all right. So I got all excited and I was like, I mean, I Googled how to write a book because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, is there an app, like a software? Like, what are you supposed to do? I knew there nothing. I knew nothing, nothing about how to write a book. Like I said, I'd always, you know, enjoyed reading, but the craft, no. So it started in third person. And then right after I did, it was funny, right after I did the prologue, I was like, no, this is a first person. This is a Lara story. And it was hard. It was not easy. I was like, this is not like, what's going on? Like the words are coming, but it's, it's just not easy. And then life happened. I got pregnant. Other things happened in my life um, that took me away from writing. And I had all these health issues come up. We ended up moving from Houston to Austin, Texas. This is where home is. So it was, we thought it'd be better to be by family. And I was really in a really low place in my life, battling like severe depression and anxiety. And I had this like, anyway, a lot of medical stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And I started writing again, but I started writing more. uh, That's why my story is very personal to me, because even though it's it's a fictional story in a fantasy world, it. It's very personal because a lot of the emotions that my characters experience and the emotional situations that they go through, I've experienced in my own life or people very close to me. Mm -hmm. So I started writing those situations with, you know, with the emotions that I have felt and, you know, my villains, you know, people, people don't like to admit that when someone cuts you off in traffic, there's times where you're like, I want to punch him in the face, you know? Right. (laughs) (laughs) But we're human and stuff like that comes up. 
So I would use some of these emotions, more of these darker emotions that I was, you know, used to be scared of. It's like, God, why do I feel that way sometimes? And so what makes me mad, you know? Um, I would use that in Mm -hmm. my villains and it would come out through my writing and the um, depression lifted, the medical stuff I'd been experiencing went away. And so that led me to wonder, like, is writing linked to healing anyway? Yeah. And then I started, um, yeah, researching and um, working with top doctors in the industry and learning that. Yes, it has been proven that writing can heal. So that's when I started doing workshops in schools and juvenile detention centers and seeing it with my own eyes, the power that writing has and mm-hmm. how it can help you express emotions that you're afraid to even you know, share with a therapist. So it's a very right. healing experience for me. But the story itself really took off because I, I remember I was on chapter 13 of Seeker and it was just, I had hit this point where I was like, what am I doing um, and I'm a very spiritual person. I don't like to use the word religion because I can't define myself into just one category with that. So I mm-hmm. use the word spiritual, but I noticed that there's a void in the marketplace in the YA genre. I was like, you know, there's a lot of great books, but when I'm done with them, like how many do I, you know, close it? And I'm like, I really got a life lesson, like some valuable, you know, something, something of, of, of value after reading mm-hmm. it. And there weren't something a whole, to take away. Yeah, there weren't a whole lot, you know. And the love is always kind of this insta love, and it just I was like, I want to tell like a believable story. So I kind of opened myself up to the universe that night, and I was like, you know what? If this needs to be done, and I need to share these messages with with the world, then like let's let's go to work, let's get it done. I woke up the next morning, and I finished the first book in two weeks, the second and three, and the third in thirteen days, and it was just back to back. Oh so my god. It was, so it was kind of like confirmation <laughs> to me of like, okay, you know, this is what needs to be done. Now, was it easy after that? No. <laughs> it right. was a huge learning curve. Um, but yeah, but that's how the whole journey began. Wow. So what inspired Alara, Cyrus, and Jax, your three main characters of the series? Um, Alara's emotional... Alara and I are very much cut from the same cloth when it comes to emotions. And I wanted mm-hmm. to really use her to show the reader the human mind and how it can react to certain situations and how not everyone reacts the same way. I wanted to give readers a strong female protagonist, someone who starts out very kind of unsure um, of herself, of the people around her, and really grows into her power and I wanted the men to be a big part of her life, but not the reason that she is able to like kick ass in the end and um, right. do the things that she does. You know, I wanted to I wanted to give girls a, a role model, and I feel like Alara is a good a good role model for girls because she stands up for what she believes in, and she doesn't she doesn't take crap. She like I said, she enjoys having a partnership with men, but she doesn't let them lead the show. So that mm-hmm. was important. I agree. Mm-hmm. I wanted the relationships to seem real. I wanted to show that even when you are in love with someone, you still fight. You still think the other one's a pain in the ass at times. And um, with I'm trying to think with the men, the men were inspired by all. I mean, the majority of the characters in my book are inspired by real people in my life. It's kind um, of like little Easter eggs. Yes, like Cyrus and Jax are kind of split personalities, and my husband. Um. Mm-hmm different parts of him. I really wanted Cyrus to be that rock for Alara, the person that is, you know, that you can really, really depend. I kind of think of like, you know, if they were 
if they were in the dog family, like Cyrus would be the golden retriever and Jax would be the wolf, you know? <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. That is perfect. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to also men who have read my books have really appreciated Jax and his story and what he goes through. Um, I wanted to show that, you know, people, there's stories of redemption and show people that everyone has a choice and depending on what path you take, um, you know, different things can happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say real people in my life and situations. Yeah. Just life. When people ask what inspired my books, I always tell them like real life. <laughs> it, the it fantasy just brought world, it out. Yeah. The fantasy world's fun to explore, but no, it was, it was real life that, yeah, that charged these characters. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. So you said that you kind of like put together all three books in just a matter of days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how long did it actually take to like finalize that first book? Like what, yeah, what the did first you have to do <laughs> to get there? the first book was I don't like to use the first book as an example. I like to use an example of what not to do. Um, oh, well, because, tell us that too. Yes, because book one, I I was accepted into a program that you paid a fee that paid for your editors, your style editor, your copy editor, your cover if you want it. But I I got someone else to do my cover. Your website. Basically, they did everything. They set you up on, you know, KDP and Inger, all the – they did everything. Okay. Um, but they wanted you to publish your book in three months. Whoa. And, yeah, and they own the ISBN. So my first book, it has Sojourn Publish Publishing, which they don't own – like, I wasn't with the publisher. They're just – they were just kind of like a one-stop shop. Like, I you – know, mm -hmm. they don't own my book, but they bought the ISBN, so they put their name on it. Um, as the publisher, but it, it was a great experience because they did a six week class that kind of mentally prepared you for releasing a book and helping you get through blocks and writing blocks and different stuff like that. But they also held my hand so much that when I got my, you know, first revisions back from my editor, I thought like, that's, you only get one round. I didn't realize that most editors do two passes, you know? So I was just oh, I was so yeah. green and naive. Everything they told me, I was like, this must be right. So it, in hindsight, it was a great learning experience. If I could go back and choose a different path, I would have, um, but I rushed. And that's mm -hmm. why I had to republish the first book three times and why, you know, it cost me an arm and a leg to do so because I had to learn as I go. Whereas Passage is a better example. Like, yes, the rough draft took me 13 days to write, but it took me two years to revise and edit before publication. So. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Much more realistic. Yes. And, you know, traditional publishers, they, they take around two years you know, from concept to publication. So that's why when I see indies really rushing to try to put a book out every, you know, quarterly, I'm like, there's, there's really no reason to rush. You don't, you know, take your time. This isn't, I tell people, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You have to, yeah, exactly. You have to take your time to put out a, I mean, a large novel, you know, like, um, passage was like 210,000 words. So that's a, that's a big book. Um, that takes time to comb through that many words. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. They kept getting thicker and thicker as I was yeah. reading each one. <laughs> yes. But it was worth it. <laughs> I'm sure. Yes. Well, I love, I loved Seeker. Like I really felt like I bonded with Alara and Cyrus and Jax. And, and I think right there that speaks for itself because 
I'm sorry. I read Crescent City, House of Blood and Earth recently, and I did not you care. No, you weren't a fan. With Bryce. <laughs> no. I could give a crap. Like, I was coming off that book, and I started reading Seeker, and I was like, thank God, because the whole connection between us and the main characters of that book was not there. It just wasn't. It was a busy like, book. It had a lot going on. Oh, in it. I feel like that's when so hard with the adult fantasy. I feel like you have to be very careful with the info dumping because when there's too much, you'll lose your reader really fast. So that's why I like to, I like to make books like the one I'm currently writing. There's a lot going on, but I still like to make it easy for the reader to follow. So you can connect with the characters. Oh yeah, totally. And I thought that was just a big like positive for well, your series. You. I, I loved, I love all the characters thank you, I loved. I love them. Thank you. <laughs> so what advice do you have for someone who hasn't yet published, maybe in the middle of writing their, their first novel? Like, what do you have for advice for aspiring authors? Finish the damn book before you do it. Ah, yes. <laughs> no, I hate that. I mean, Rule I, get, I get so many, you know, people will reach out and be like, so what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, well, how many were, well, I'm still, I'm like, you know what? Don't, don't even reach out to me until you finish writing your book. You got to finish your book. And it doesn't matter. You're not, I think so many people spend too much time trying to make a rough draft sound good. That's not what a rough draft is. Rough draft is just get it out of your brain and onto your, onto the paper. Um, That's what revisions are for. Multiple rounds of revisions, you know? Exactly. I tell people mm-hmm. too, do yeah, not. Yeah, you need the skeleton first. Yes, before you can add the muscle. Don't think your mother can edit your manuscript. Like I, I saw a post the other day of someone saying, you know, <laughs> I just finished my book and my mom is editing it. I wanted to cringe. I was like, I don't care if your mom has a degree, you know, in English. That's not, that's not, it's <laughs> so not her job, you know. She, no, she can read it for fun once it's done. But if you want to be taken serious, you know. As an author, you need to hire a, a professional <laughs> for sure. Right. Um, but yeah, no. So that's what I tell people. Finish your book and um, st- really study your craft. If you're not reading, you're not learning. So you have Hands to down. read. You have to read while writing, as you know. So No, you. that was probably one of the best um, the, one of the best times you've given me advice is you're like, you got to be reading. You have to. And it is so true because I'm in the middle of revisions right now back mm-hmm. to when I was not reading. I was not. I was mm-hmm. maybe loosely reading maybe every once mm-hmm. in a while. And, oh, my God, this is going to take me hours to rewrite because I was making so many mistakes. And I realize that now because I've been reading. And it just makes all the difference. Oh, that's – I mean, that's where I messed up with my first book. The One of my mentors said – no, do not read while you are writing. It's going to distract you from your story. So I said, okay, deer in the headlights here. I was like, okay, I don't need. That was the biggest mistake. I mean, not the, well, it was one of the biggest mistakes I had made at the beginning of my career. I didn't know any better, you know? And I mean, mm-hmm. you have to. I mean, it's so helpful with just tiny things of learning how to describe someone without saying your character's mad you know. <laughs> right. It's true. Mm-hmm. And different genres. I tell people, you know, it's important. I mean, I love fantasy, but I make myself jump around because I know it's important for my, my craft. Right. It makes you more well-rounded. Yes. 
Yes, exactly. Well, you are like I gotta go, I gotta say, you like do everything. Not only are you super inspirational and you're an author, but you make bookmarks to freaking coasters <laughs> to freaking offering advice and you can actually have paid services with you. Am I right? Like people can That's true. say, Hey JM, what's up? What do you got for me? Yeah. <laughs> Just jack of all trades over here. No, you do it all. That's what I was trying to say earlier. You do it all. So do you want to tell our listeners about stuff that you offer services? Yeah, so I offer consulting services to people who are just getting started, seasoned authors where, you know, it's one-on-one for an hour. You can pick my brain, ask whatever, help walk you through stuff. I also offer um, editing services, not not copy editing, um, more developmental style editing uh, mm-hmm. for authors. I do workshops for schools and organizations. What else do I do, Kim? Oh my gosh, <laughs> what don't you do, Jen? <laughs> what else do I do? Um, yeah, I mean, those are, you know, besides my little like resin shop that I'll call, you know. Yes, like, all the bookmarks and, and yeah. posters, mm-hmm. yes. But no, those are the services I, I offer. Well, that's awesome. Um, tell us more about your website. It is jmbuckler.com. So what someone who's new to your website, what are they going to find on there? More than they need, probably. No, um, <laughs> Stop. you'll find my bio, press clips from different um, media outlets and news interviews I've gone on, testimonials from schools, groups, other authors um, that I've spoken with, worked with. You'll find links to my books, the shop for the coasters and signed books and stained edges. <laughs> I know I love all that other stuff now you're offering. Um, So yeah, book trailers, everything's on there. So link to social media, just kind of the central hub for the world of J.M. Buckler. (laughs) Yes, you're very active on your Instagram if you want to shout out your handle. Yes, it's author underscore j.m.buckler. I love it. It's kind of my world, Instagram. It is. It's your platform because I tell you not, like, I will wake up and I'll be like, what's JM up to today? I have to start <laughs> my morning with the JM feed and I'm like, what's going on? It's like reading the newspaper for me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I need something like Carol Baskin. Like, hello, all of you, and say something, cats and kittens. Or yes. Well, yes. Yeah. What was hers? Oh, something like kit cat. Hello, all you. I don't. It's something Happy real silly or something. Yes, I need something <laughs> cheesy like that. I'm gonna be thinking. I'm gonna be brainstorming for you because you do do that. Please do. Please do. <laughs> well, you know, diving back into Seeker. So, for mm-hmm. someone who's listening right now who has not read your series, what is something you want them to know, or maybe just like give maybe a rough synopsis of it? Because I know, you, you know. I'll post your synopsis for your book. Mm-hmm. But what would you say to someone who has not read your series yet? I would say, I mean, in a nutshell, Seeker is about two American teenagers who are presented with a choice. You know, do they keep living a normal life or do they, you know, take a leap of faith and jump into the unknown? Um, their world is really turned upside down. 
when a mysterious man from their past that they didn't even know existed um, appears and, and drops drops a big a big bomb, <laughs> an emotional right. bomb <laughs> on on the two of them. Um, yeah, it's it's a book one. I like to tell readers it is a subtle warm up for the upcoming marathon and book two and three. It's a right. good introduction. It's kind of like the foundation. You know, you get to you get to know the characters a little bit. But, you know, in my opinion, the story really doesn't kick off till book two. So it's a great it does mm-hmm. change. It's a different, you know, place. The, time yes, rather. exactly. So what why why was it so important to you to have your story the first book seeker of time take place in texas um i think i was just because i was living there and i wanted to write about (laughs) something i was like i just want to write about something that's going on like in this actual town like use the town but change the names and i wanted to use my high school but change the name some people i went to high school change the names um yeah, I thought it'd be fun. I was like, if I'm starting now, let's start out like kind of at my roots, you know? And because mm-hmm. I knew we wouldn't be there long. So <laughs> I said, why no. we're here, might as well make it kind of nostalgic for me. <laughs> no, I really felt like I was a Lara in school, like straight up back in high school, going through the motions. And I, it just, you painted such a vivid picture, oh, good. honestly. Good, good. <laughs> I know when I drove through to see you, I was trying to find things. I was like, is that part of the story? Was that the area where she was? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the Woodlands. The Woodlands, Texas is what I called a wood, Woodward in the book. So, Oh, I need mm-hmm. to spend more time there. I cannot wait to go back mm-hmm. and hang out with you some more. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what you're doing right now. So you have Seeker of Time, Stillness of Time, Passage of Time. Mm-hmm. All those three books are done and yes. completed. Yes. And that's the first kind of three of this whole like world, but it's technically not what you're doing for four, five, six, and yeah. seven. So I'm calling for one because technically it's a new series, though. For those who have read the first three, you're going to get to revisit characters who survived um, that time period. Um, Many years have passed since the end of the third book, and there's new worlds, new characters. Uh, It's very, very different, and it's adult fantasy. So Seeker Mm -hmm. and Stillness were very YA. I feel like we moved more to new adult passage. Yeah, I agree. um, the series is 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 out the out the gate adult, so it won't be for the more sensitive sensitive readers. But it's it's I'm trying to think of how I've been really struggling how to explain this. To be. It's almost like the Star Wars films, um, right? It's all Star Wars, but yeah. It's like each three movies it has is a, di- a different exactly. Time. But there's some lineage that you know, you know, and it's more fun if you've watched them all. So anyone will be able to pick up this new series and start right there because there's enough information to fill you in what you what you missed. But for those of you who have read, it's going to be like so many surprises and aha moments, and because essentially what was the focus of Seeker, Stillness, and Passage was the villain and how to, you know, what to do with the villain. Um, but what the reader didn't know is why that was, when that was going on, there was something else going on as well in another world. 
And that is still going on. So a lot of the familiar characters along with new ones are going to be venturing over there. You know, it's kind of like the Grisha verse. So there's a little bit the shadow and bone. Very and similar. Yes. Yes. Because the time, there's a time lapse and same world, but different characters. That's, that's a great way to describe it. Mm-hmm. So is Six of Crows part of the Grisha verse? Well, how would you put See, that? That's where I'm confused too. How does she it has even to be? No, it, it is because when you open it, it talks about all the, the, what are they called? I can't ever say the the, the name. The rules or whatever. Like yeah, the the you know the different ones with the different powers. <laughs> <laughs> all the Grecian stuff. Yeah, it's all. So it's the same like, you know, referencing. I think in those. So, hmm. so do you just call it right now just like the Seeker of Time series? Um, the first, the first half is the Seeker of Time series. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so do you have like a name for the, for the next chunk of it? Uh, yes. The next one is the Capturing Time Saga. Oh, see, that's mm-hmm. fire. That is so good. That You're is, the first to know that. Listeners of the Reading Riot got the first inside information. Yes, it'll be, yeah, Capturing Time Saga, book one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's a set of three again. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that's awesome. I am so excited because you've also been talking up when release day comes around next year, you're doing some really awesome pre-order stuff. I I am. am. Number one on list, I swear. I've already claimed it. Gotcha, girl. My name's right there. I gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm so excited for your next, you know, set of books. I'm I'm ready to see more world building Mm -hmm. because we're of different areas in space. So I'm like all for this. Yes, lots of fun stuff. So you're really big on character art just in general. You love it from books Mm -hmm. that you read. Mm -hmm. And then also for your series now, like, Mm -hmm. you know, we got a little taste of some character art artwork for Seeker of Time, the first mm-hmm. three, but you're really going all in for this next series. And I am so here for it. Oh, like, I love all the artists that you've picked out. If you want to talk to our listeners a little bit more about that. Yeah. So with this book, I'm going to do an illustrated edition for the hardback. And I think we, gosh, I think we're going to have about 13 or 14 images in that book. So it's going to have a oh, lot. So mm-hmm. awesome. It's going to have a lot. There'll be artwork, um, on the hardback book itself when you take off the dust jacket. So it's going to be a very um, be a very fancy hardback, and it'll only be in that edition. So it'll be a very, very special edition, the hardback. Paperback, Ooh, paperback. I don't I'm have any of it. So, so excited. Yeah, so it'll be I'm fun. I'm so excited. That is going to be so awesome. But no, the best advice I can give people when you're working with a character artist is to – you know, you definitely want to give them a description of your characters, but you also have to give them some freedom to do their own thing. I've noticed with artists, if you box them in too much, if you make too many critiques, um, it'll start to reflect on the image. So, yeah, let your artists do what they do. <laughs> don't get yes, just, don't get too you know too overkill. Yeah, too too honored. Mm-hmm. Because how would you feel as a writer if you have someone over your shoulder going no no. No, no, no. Exactly. <laughs> and people ask, how do you find, how do you find these artists? Uh, you look for them. <laughs> it's as simple as that. You know, <laughs> you have to, you go on Instagram and look at, look at, you know, artwork that, 
that you gravitate towards and what catches your eye and how, how do you see your characters and what artist, you know, do you think can, can showcase that in their work? Yes. And if you want to do a shout out for the two artists that you kind of launched in a way, like you've really given them a name within the community. If you ask me personally, um, because they're, they're, they're blown up now. If you want to shout out who they are. Yeah. So I was very fortunate to find Miss Dominique Wesson early on. Uh, she's done three of my, um, characters for this new series. Uh, that's just Dominique Wesson is her handle and she's phenomenal. But yeah, she, she is blowing up really, really fast. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Salome, her last name is T-O-T-L-A-D-Z-E. Um, her Instagram handle is Morgana Zero. Mm. And let's just say that A-N-A-G-R-O-M. <laughs> She is okay. who is doing the um, the cover art that goes underneath the dust jacket. She's phenomenal, uh, and she was wonderful to work with. And then my 3D artist who is doing the interior illustration is Brain Cells Art. And I've just been very, very blessed and very fortunate because they're all phenomenal artists. <laughs> no complaints. No, seriously, I am so in love with all the artwork you have. Like this... This, like, first edition of your next series mm-hmm. is going to be just phenomenal. Like, stunning. Yeah, I'm really excited to hold it one day because it'll be, it'll be really cool to, to see it all together. <laughs> well, it's going to be a huge accomplishment. It's, it's a process, you know. Every book, it's funny. I heard Jay Kristoff say when he was working on Empire of the Vampire, he was, like, heavy into revisions and he said every time with one of his books, he gets to this place where he has to like turn around and he sees all the books he's published and he still looks at his current whip and goes, how in the hell is this going to turn into a book? And I'm like, I, I feel that every time, every time I'm drafting or I'm in the middle of the revisions, I'm like, how, how is this word document going to do that again? But it does, you know, it does. It all works out. It does. You just got to keep at it. Well, I love that. JM, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was so nice talking to you, hearing your story and and talking about your series. It was awesome. Thank you for having me. Yes. And next time you're doing writing prompts 3.0 with me. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So fun last time. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you, girl. (laughs) Catch you later.